Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to this special Best of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio. I'm Carmen LaBurge. You are listening to a special episode of Mornings with Carmen. We are rebroadcasting some of our favorite conversations from the year past. So thank you so much for um, joining us in this. Well, it's a little bit of reflection going on, but each one of these conversations is also, um, I think, a really fun challenge for the year which now lies ahead. So we are at year end, but we are also, or we will be tomorrow, at years beginning. So let me just pause for a moment and invite us to consider that, this year end and its beginning. Um, We're tempted to imagine when we say that, that time is like circular, um, that it, you know, keeps repeating over and over and over again. But we are a people who absolutely believe in the revelation of God, that time is linear. It is moving purposely forward from beginning to quote-unquote end, and then new beginning. But that's not circular. That's actually like this long redemptive arc over all of history, and God is the one who is writing that redemptive story. I got a card this year for Christmas that simply said, another year in the books. And when I opened it up, it was from a Christian friend who had chronicled in the card um, the books that were in the year for her. So another year in the book, another year in the books, sorry, um, you know, she noted the books of the Bible that she had um, studied this year. And so I thought, wow, that's so great. I mean, not just another year in the books, like, you know, the accounting books or the books of annals of history, but has it been another year in the big book for you, in the book of all books, in the books of the book? So I'm um, thinking that in 2021, another year in the books for me included the books of Daniel and Luke, which we did as a part of our reading through the Bible here at Faith Radio. It was also, for me, a year in the books of Genesis, the Gospel of John, the book of Psalms, Paul's letter to the church at Rome, and the book of Revelation. Those are books that are now in the year for me. So another year in the books, as we look back, what are the books you were in this year? And then as we look ahead to next year. So at this point in time next year, when we say, oh, that's just another year in the books, what are the books going to be for you? What will be the books on that list? And then um, maybe another question here. If, If my life is a story, right, what was the theme of this last chapter? Could you give the past year a title if it's a chapter in your book? And again, I think this hugely depends on our perspective. I mean, it could be if you took a just a grossly worldly point of view, it could be that you're you're thinking it's just a chapter about loss. 
It's just a, a chapter about regret. It's just a chapter about missed opportunities. It's just a chapter about being sinned against. It's just a chapter about failure or futility. But let me challenge you to think about that from an eternal perspective. Is it possible that this past year has been a chapter that God is writing on the subject of hope or promise or his own faithfulness or his own provision, his own presence, his own goodness, his own beauty, the reality of truth? As we look to turn the page to the quote-unquote next chapter, I think it's imperative that we ask ourselves, who's writing the story of my life? Who's narrating it? What's the perspective of the one telling my story? And if you still see yourself as the, narr as the uh, character, main character in the story of your life, what if in 2022... You allowed God to come to the foreground of your story, where your life would become a part of his story, a demonstration of who God is and how God works and his character and purpose. All right, those are just some uh, thoughts today as we lead off this very last hour of Mornings with Carmen for 2021. And in this uh, week of best of episodes. I just wanted to share again the conversation that I had with Patty Garibay. She is a lot like you and me. She is a child of God and a wife and a mom and a grandma. She's also the founder of American Heritage Girls. So let's revisit the conversation that we had with Patty earlier in the year and see how um, God might bring his life to bear in and through us to impact the lives of others. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Garibay. She's the founder and executive director of American Heritage Girls. She is author of the book, Why Curse the Darkness When You Can Light a Candle. You can find uh, Patty, you can find American Heritage Girls, and you can find what we're talking about today at AmericanHeritageGirls.org. Patty, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, Carmen. It's good to be with you. It's good to hear your voice. I loved your message, by the way. Excellent. Oh, well, Thank you so much. So last week we had a conversation with your counterpart from Trail Life USA, and I got a flurry of texts and emails. Hey, 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 what about the girls? What about the girls? And so I'm like, well, you know, Paul actually said, let's have Patty back on from American Heritage Girls. So thank you so much for joining us. For those who are not familiar with American Heritage Girls, what is it? Like, where is it? Um, and why is it? Absolutely. Well, American Heritage Girls is a Christ-centered character development program for girls ages 5 to 18. We charter through churches and private schools who share a Christian statement of faith uh, to ensure the basis is, does not go astray. And we are meeting everywhere across the U.S., troops in every, every state, even 16 international countries. Um, and as you mentioned, we have been around for over 25 years. And we were started as a result of Rather than cursing the darkness, lighting a candle. I had been a Girl Scout leader for 13 years and had loved that organization and used it as a ministry to girls, being able to share the gospel. 
And there were changes that occurred in, all the way back in 1993, when no longer did they mandate an oath to God. There was an asterisk they put by our Lord's name and said, you can put whatever word you want or no word at all. And I had that moral dilemma, that meeting with the Lord, what am I going to do? Am I going to serve you or I'm going to serve this organization? And so we try to make changes locally because I truly believe, Carmen, we need to try to make changes first rather than just running into our Christian cloisters. And um, it was important um, to know that there was that that agenda, that snowball had gone down that hill and there was no way it was going to be retrieved. And so as a result, not because I wanted to, but because God called me to to start this organization, <laughs> I really thought it would just be something for my daughter to get her through the formative years. And, and since then, my daughter's daughter is now an American Heritage mm. Girls. And, and that is, to your point of the setting of stones, um, that is exactly what God has done with this. He has dried up the Jordan, allowed us to walk through, and has blessed our efforts. I just love that. And there's no question that you know, as much as this was needed in 1993 or 1995, um, it is needed today. So, Patty, when we come back from a very brief break, let's talk about that. Let's talk about um, why American Heritage Girls is needed today. And let's talk about the resources that are available um, for folks who are listening at AmericanHeritageGirls.org. We'll be right back. All right, we are talking with Patty Garibay about American Heritage Girls. You can find tons of resources. I encourage you to do so at AmericanHeritageGirls.org. Don't miss the free ebook, Raising Godly Girls, A Guide to Fear and Anxiety in Uncertain Times. And for those of you who missed our conversation about boys, that was with Trail Life, and you can find them at TrailLifeUSA.com. Patty, um, talk about the need for American Heritage Girls today. Mm, there is just so many issues confronting today's girls. You know, we've got the age-old ones that have been around since we were young, um, body image and um, anxiety, all those things. But today, it just seems to be on steroids. Um, the fear of reentry is something that actually I'm seeing a lot of girls suffering today, worrying about going back to school, frankly, and what that's going to look like and how have they changed and how will they be accepted and and all those kinds of issues from the pandemic um, that have really made themselves obvious. Um, Decision-making, the, the fear of even growing up and being able to adult, um, a big concern. And in our world, in, in Christian world, where girls, not all girls in American Heritage Girls, this is an outreach, by the way, Carmen, which is a beautiful thing. Uh, churches can use this as a ministry of outreach for families. But also there are girls that have, you know, been in the church for years, but they don't really understand their own personal relationship with Christ, their faith. They're sort of tagging on to mom and dad's faith. And so American Heritage Girls attempts for the girls to understand their faith and for them to be able to say, I own it. I understand that my faith isn't just something I 
take off the shelf on Sunday, but it's something I live every day. And the spirit-filled mentors, the adults that work alongside them, help them to realize that this indeed is something that we need to do day-to-day, hour-to-hour, not just on Sundays. So understanding their identity in Christ is really critical to what we're doing. And our program just really envelops all of these different issues. There's an antidote. You know there is a scriptural antidote for every suffering that we have, from Mm -hmm. depression to bullying to body image. There are scriptural elements. And, you know, I want to personally thank you, Carmen, for helping us um, figure out how to do our Raising Godly Girl Minute. Uh, which is on Christian radio stations across the nation now, which actually tackles all of these issues. It starts, first of all, with the issue that is confronting today's girl. It comes with a scriptural antidote and then a call to action on how to put that thing to have legs in your family and to be able to consistently encourage and affirm your girl in the way she should go. I love that. Um, But you know that I love what you're doing and every part of it. Um, For folks who are not particularly familiar with the program, can you, because one of the things you just alluded to, Patty, is that, you know, girls grow and they grow up and they're, um, they change over time and their needs change over time. Talk about how girls, you know, progress through the program um, at American Heritage Girls, because I think it's going to be really surprising for some listeners to, to sort of see those program levels um, at the different ages and stages. Right. So starting again at five, you know, this is one troop, one night. So I was a mom of three daughters. I did Girl Scouts, as I mentioned. I had to go to three different meetings. This is not mm-hmm. the way the American Heritage Girl Program is built. It's actually built to be in a progression, like you had mentioned, where sisters five to 18 can be in the same troop. And that might sound, oh, how does that work? Girls at five are very different than girls at 18. This is true. However, we break into smaller units where the older girls are learning how to teach the skill, the highest form of learning, and the littler girls are learning just some basic stuff about the skill. So if you use something like the aviation badge, for instance, the the younger girls might be learning a little bit just about flight, the Baroli principle, et cetera. The older girls are learning what it's like to be an aviator, what that takes profession-wise um, to learn how to do that and how that can fit into your faith. Matter of fact, one of our alumni loved the aviation badge and now is a missionary aviator in Uganda, uh, delivering a goods to those people in need. So it, it is a full, well-rounded program that includes faith, leadership, social and emotional, outdoors, citizenship and life skills, which are the badges. So the badges are just one sixth of our program. We teach girls leadership. You know, we believe that leadership is influence. Every girl has the capacity to influence for good or for bad. And so these troop meetings, the girls meet, you know, every other week typically is what the troop does. It really is dictated by the charter organization that owns the ministry troop. And they are able to meet and become friends. And you know how important good friendships, like-minded friendships are to us as parents. And this is a beautiful way if you're wanting your daughter to be able to be socialized. I think the number one uh, fruit of this program that I read time and time again from the girls when they write their essays is that basically they were a shy girl. They were literally behind their mom's back when they first entered a meeting and today they're speaking to people and adults um, you know about issues that they care about and they're doing it from a biblical worldview how beautiful is that imagine the impact of of women and the influence they have growing up in a program like this 
Yeah, it's just really extraordinary. I definitely want to direct people in the last couple of minutes that we have to the resource, the downloadable ebook that you guys have just developed. So why don't you introduce that to people? And then let me just say again, um, you guys can check all of this out at AmericanHeritageGirls.org. You can also find Patty's most excellent book, Why Curse the Darkness, when you can light a candle at whycursethedarkness.com. So talk about um, the downloadable free ebook available right now. Absolutely. As a result of COVID, that is why we wrote this book. And we have become literally the thought leaders of Christ-centered girls ministry. And this guide gives you knowledge, tools, and scripture-based advice to really help your daughter tackle fear and anxiety. I encourage you um, before schooling begins, even homeschooling, and if you're doing co-ops and stuff, your daughter probably has a level of anxiety around being back with real live people. And so this this is a beautiful book, by the way, well illustrated. Your daughter will enjoy it as well. Uh, so get your free ebook at AmericanHeritageGirls.org. As soon as you sign in, you're going to see in your bottom right screen something pop up and just Hop in, get your free ebook, and enjoy that, and know that the Lord has your daughter in the palm of her hand. hand. So I had one thought for you, Patty. Um, You know, you could develop this into a one-minute. You could use the aviation badge, um, but then you could use Simone Biles' experience of of aerial disorientation, and she literally (laughs) lost track of herself, like, right, mid-vault. Like, right, we do. We lose track of ourselves. Even sometimes when we're really accomplished at what we're doing, we lose track of ourselves. Aerial disorientation happens. And so um, we got to reorient and we got to find our feet again and we got to reestablish and ground ourselves and on and on and on. So there you go. There's a there's a one minute for you. There you go. Giving me again, Carmen. You are such a good woman. (laughs) Homework. Hey, we love you so much. Um, Patty Garibay, thank you so much for your ongoing ministry, for your friendship, for your partnership. You guys can find American Heritage Girls all over the place, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Easy connecting point, AmericanHeritageGirls.org. Patty, thanks so much. Thank you. God bless you. You too. We'll be right back. Like each and every one of us, Caleb Kaltenbach has a story. His life is unique, and I wanted uh, each of us to be reminded of just how awesome God is by listening again to Caleb's story and the way that he is allowing God to use him to reach others and equip us to be used in the lives of others. So if you think that others won't be touched by your testimony, they will. When we consider the millions of young people who have walked away from the church and the reality that God is even now wooing them back to himself, we need to make ourselves ready to receive them when they return. That's what my uh, conversation with Caleb equips us to do. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen, and my conversation with Caleb Kaltenbach is up next. and author Caleb Kaltenbach is back today. We have had an earlier conversation um, with Caleb about his own story and his acclaimed first book. He's back today to talk with us about his new book, Messy Truth. It's really, I think, an essential conversation 
on how we foster community without sacrificing conviction, something that each and every one of us as Christians in the culture needs to learn how to do today. Caleb, welcome back, and thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Carmen. Always a pleasure. So let's just jump right in with, I think, the big question, and that is, you know, how can I as a Christian, how can we as Christian organizations, churches as well, how can we genuinely love people who identify as LGBTQ and honor our theological beliefs at the same time? Well, I I think I think that's a, the kind of the question of the century, maybe, or question of the decade or question of the earth, however you want to look at it. But I think that there are three components that we need. We need to hold on to our commitments to God's word. We need to uh, increase our compassion or our empathy for other people, uh, and especially people who are not like us. And we also need to be willing to have difficult conversations, but specifically, we need to make sure that they are intentional conversations. Uh, It's okay to have difficult conversations. We all have uh, a lot of difficult conversations in our life, Uh, but it's not okay to needlessly uh, wound somebody or to shame somebody. So how do we have those difficult conversations without shaming people? And I think it comes through prayer and intentionality. So it's really holding up the banner for our convictions, our compassion, and those conversations. Okay, that's really helpful. That's an awesome framework um, for us to start with. Let's do this. Let's now take a step back and let's remind people um, why you are so good at not only what you just did, but so uh, such a good and honorable person for us to walk with into this very messy conversation about messy truth. Just briefly, you know, remind people of your own story. Thank you. Yeah, I uh, was uh, raised by uh, two lesbians and a gay man. My parents divorced when I was two. They went into same-sex relationships. My dad had several friends, but my mom was in a monogamous uh, relationship with a woman named Vera for uh, 22 years until Vera died of cancer. They were activists. Uh, They raised me uh, going with them to activist events and pride parades and house parties and campouts and clubs and bars. And I saw some of the ugliness of those who profess to be Christians, uh, whether it was throwing water and urine on people, holding up signs saying God hates you, or ignoring their young sons who are dying of AIDS. And I just thought, man, there's no way I ever want to be a Christian. And then I joined a Bible study when I was 16 to learn how to disprove the Bible. I became a Christian. And my plan to not like Christians, did not work out well. Then I had to come out to my uh, three gay parents as a Christian who now believed in, you know, the historic, you know, Judeo-Christian view of sexuality and marriage, and they kicked me out of the house. Eventually, they let me back in, went to Bible College Seminary, uh, was a pastor, still am a pastor, but I was preaching at a church in Dallas, Texas. My parents moved there separately, started attending the church I was preaching at, and at the ages of 69 and 70, they both gave their lives to Jesus uh, because a community of people came around them. Uh, Even though they disagreed on things like theology, ethics, relationships, politics, they still found the margin to love my parents, you know, and love them where they were at. And I think that made all the difference in the world. Seeing that other people love you can make it easier for you to believe that God can love you sometimes. That is the empathy part, I think, of um, of messy truth that is so essential. I feel like a lot of Christians 
get the first point. Like, you know, I know how to be convictional about my faith, and boy, I know how to practice up for what we might call a difficult conversation. What makes your um, approach to this, I think, not only unique but essential is uh, that increasing compassion or the word that you use consistently throughout the book is empathy. And you write a lot about empathy and messy truth. So talk with us about how important that is as we seek to approach this particular conversation of the day. Mm. I think it's so important. I think it's what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 5, 38 through 48, when he said, if somebody forces you to go one mile, go with them too. Uh, You've heard that you should hate your enemies. I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Um, And he was talking about the Romans in the first century, forcing Jewish people to carry their pack. And Jesus was saying the people that you can't stand who have uh, occupied your land, who are led by a brutal dictator who's so narcissistic that he thinks he's God, who the people that have uh, brutalized your, your friends and family who in some cases have crucified them or killed them, those are the people you need to serve. You know, and I think what I get from that is Jesus was not saying agree with everything that Romans believe. No, he's saying walk with them. You know, I I, I don't think you can walk a mile in somebody's shoes, but you can walk miles next to people. You can't mm-hmm. have the same experiences as other people have. Um, and, and so that's why it's kind of a carryover from Messy Grace a little bit, too, that there is a big difference between acceptance and agreement. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think what Jesus was talking about there, what I just quoted, is is all about acceptance. It's about empathy. Uh, as Brene Brown says, to feel with another person, or as Reggie Joyner at North Point Orange Rethink says, empathy is the ability to put our own thoughts and feelings on pause long enough to think and feel with another person. I think that empathy is acknowledging another person's reality. reality. It's acknowledging their experience. It does not mean you agree with them. It does not mean you reject them. It means that you are going to walk with them. And I think that God and Jesus set the perfect example. He walked how many years with human beings, even though we were the ones to betray God and reject him. And yet he still walked with us and died for us. So I think God is the ultimate example of that kind of empathy. So the book is Messy Truth, How to Foster Community Without Sacrificing Conviction. Um, We're talking with pastor and author Caleb Kaltenbach today. Uh, He is the author of the book. When we come back from a very brief break, I'm going to ask Caleb to get us from the question, what should we do to what are we willing to do to keep and build influence with others? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Continuing our conversation now with Caleb Kaltenbach. He is the author most recently of Messy Truth, How to Foster Community Without Sacrificing Conviction. We do have copies of the book to give away today. Um, If this is the challenge that you're facing, LGBTQ conversations are happening all around us. How do we engage in those conversations, maintaining our commitment to Scripture, um, showing empathy and compassion to those who are walking in shoes in which we are not walking And then having really difficult, intentional conversations that move to a place of of community, of fellowship. If that's a a conversation you want to be equipped to have, Messy Truth is the book you need. Text the word book to 877-933-2484. 
eight four. Caleb, we have a lot a lot of folks engage in the you know like what should we do? Even hand wringing conversations about what should we do. That's not really the question we should be asking. Tell us what the question is that we should be asking, and and then how do we get there? I think the the question that we should be asking is, you know, a lot of us, you know, ask that question: What should we do? You know, or uh, what's going to happen if we don't do this or we don't do that? What's going to happen if? And you know, one comes from just uh, an extreme imperative. Uh, the other one comes from a place of of, of fear. Uh, I believe uh, the the you know that all of us are fighting for influence. Every single one of us. Um, we are in a battle of ideas. We've been in a battle of ideas since humanity has fallen away from God, and a lot of those ideas center around our identities, and that's where our insecurities come from. And so, I, I really feel like. We are fighting for influence. In, in the life of my 14-year-old and 12-year-old, I am fighting for influence, uh, for God to have the most influence. I know me, but especially God. That's why I partner with the church that I'm on staff with. That's why they go to student ministry. That's why they go to a small group. That's why I lead a small group you know, for the high school ministry and volunteer there, because I, I really believe that those are the front lines with kids and students especially. We are fighting a battle of ideas for influence. And so um, a lot of us will ask the wrong questions. What should we do? Or, hey, what, what, what in the world should we, you know, what's going to happen if we engage society, if we engage culture? The better question is, uh, what's going to happen if we don't engage culture? Mm. Like, what's going to happen if we don't see influence as what we're trying to win? And we want that influence because whenever somebody's life hits the bottom of the barrel, I want to earn the right to be one of the first phone calls or texts that they make. And, I, mm. and, and if they do that, I know that I will have influence with them. My words will carry weight. And in those moments, I will be able to hopefully steer them and point them towards the Lord, um, not towards my opinion, but towards the Lord. And so I'm fighting for those moments. I'm fighting for influence in those moments. All right, you guys, this book um, offers really practical tools that encourage church involvement, strengthen personal relationships, increase empathy, um, increase engagement in the pivotal conversations that are happening in um, in the world today, and to do so in ways that actually engender community, the kind that Caleb is talking about. Caleb, I want to ask a couple of really practical questions. Um, uh, just, you know, I know that we have at least one family in our listening community right now um, where they have a child, an adult child, but a very young adult child in his very early 20s who um, has, you know, he has said that he has, you know, left the faith and he has said that he is, you know, drawn to, engaged in, called to be um, gay in this case. But, you know, that could be transgender. Like it could be any one of uh, of a list of choices that that individual could be making that depart from what we understand to be, you know, God's best for people. Talk to that family right now as they are in the very first days of responding to their child's not only rejection um, of the faith, but, you know, this this new exploration of identity as well. Uh, thank you so much for this opportunity to be able to speak to them. Let me, let me say a few things. Number one, I'm so sorry for what you're going through. Um, I cannot imagine what you're going through as a parent. I'm a parent I didn't go through what I went through as a parent. I went through it as a child, but still, 
I, I can't imagine what you're going through. Um, a, a few things. Uh, number one, uh, since you're in the opening days, this is a time to listen more than anything else. There will be time for discussion about faith and questions about God and so on and so forth. Trust me, that will come up again. Right now is the time for you to listen. Right now is the time to pray. Right now is the time to make sure that you have just a really, really good, solid relationship with your child, like I'm sure uh, that you have in the past. But right now, you really, really want to do everything you can to try to maintain that, okay? Um, uh, when you have to have difficult conversations it, or, or difficult conversations about what you believe, which, number one, your child probably already knows what you believe, those are best when they are in the context of a relationship with love and trust and so on and so forth. Uh, number three, don't automatically think that your child is going to hell. Don't automatically think that your child has uh, left the faith. Um, and as gracious as you can be right now, um, that's going to be a signal to them of how they can return. I, I was thinking about the prodigal son the other day. I think one of the reasons why the prodigal son knew that he could go back to his father and knew that he was able to was because of how his father let him leave. Now, I'm not saying that you should let your son leave like, like that. I'm saying that as gracious as you can be in this moment will be a big sign for him of whether or not he can come back when his life does hit the bottom of the barrel. And the last thing I'll say is this, because I know we're pressing for time. Hear me out on this. As much as you love your son, God loves him infinitely more. Jesus died for him. God loves your son more than you do. And he, as hard as you are fighting for your son, God is fighting infinitely harder in ways that you don't even see, in ways that when your son puts his head on his pillow, he hears in his heart. And I guarantee you that you have a great ally in the Lord. So you keep on praying to him and just know as much as you love your son, God loves him even more. And God is doing something about this. Messy Truth, How to Foster Community Without Sacrificing Conviction. It is the latest book by Caleb Kaltenbach. Um, we have copies available. If you are a parent and you need to start talking with your kids about Christ-centered marriage and intimacy, if you are a parent and you haven't had intentional conversations about sexuality with your teenagers, if you are um, a parent of a child who has come out as gay or transgender or is having other identity um, conversations or expressions and you need some equipping. Um, if it, You know what? If your child already came out and it didn't go well and you need to heal that relationship, there's resources in this book for you as well. There's resources here for each and every one of us um, as we are people of faith facing a culture where this is one of the mandatory conversations that we have to learn to have. And we need to learn to have the conversation in a way that upholds our biblical convictions, but also treats, treats people with compassion and empathy. And yeah, enables us, equips us to have hard, intentional conversations. This book does all of that. It is Messy Truth. Caleb, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for Messy Grace. Thank you for Messy Truth. Um, thank you for you know helping us in the midst um, of, of life walk into and through real conversations about what's really going on. It's really, it's a blessing. Blessings on you and Amy and your kids as well. Thank you so much for having me. Blessings on you, my friend. Thanks, Caleb. Hey, you guys can check out messygracegroup.com as well for more church resources on this topic. 
Oh, .org. Thank you. MessyGraceGroup.org. Thanks for that. Uh, thanks for that catch. I really appreciate it. We'll be right back. No Well, we have come to that point in time in the year and that point in time in this particular episode on this 31st of December 2021 that we can say, you know, this is it. Like, this is the final hour. Uh, these are, in fact, the very final minutes of the final hour. And so um, I think that it's OK for me to say so right here. Like, if you haven't already given a year-end gift to Faith Radio, like, literally now's the time. So I'm going to invite you uh, one more time to visit us at MyFaithRadio.com and donate to the ministry. This is listener-supported radio. If you've ever wondered, how is this funded? How does this happen? Um, Who pays the bills? Well, it's actually listeners like you. And so we want to invite you into the giving community here at Faith Radio by uh, donating, making a year-end gift at MyFaithRadio.com. You can also text the word GIVE to 877-933-2484. That's a great way to give as well. When I look back at 2021, I just recognize there are so many people, so many people for whom I am thankful, so many reasons to give thanks to the Lord our God. And of course, the danger in making a Thanksgiving list is that you might forget to say someone's name um, who to whom you certainly owe thanks. And so let me start with the most important. Let's give thanks to the Lord our God. Let's give thanks for Jesus. Um, he's the one for whom we do what we do every day. To him be all honor and glory this day and forevermore. Amen? Amen. Let me also say um, thanks for you. Because without you, none of this would be worth doing, um, and none of it would be possible. Again, listener-supported radio. So thank you to each and every one of you who has helped to make this ministry possible um, this year. Thank you for your participation. Thank you for um, the love you've showed, the prayers you've lifted up, the way you have encouraged me each and every day. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then there are like the super-duper practical things. Thank you to Paul Perot, who is um, this show's producer. Thank you uh, to Ryan Mitchell, who's our assistant producer. Thank you to other team members at Faith Radio, uh, upon whom we rely day in and day out. I'm thinking about Carissa Rogers and Justin Bowser, Neil Stavum and Ben Holson. I'm thinking about Rosie and Angela and Kim. I'm thinking about my colleagues, Susie Larson and Bill Arnold. Thinking about our engineers, Brian Gullickson and Nat Becker. I'm sure I'm forgetting people. I'm thankful to God for regular guests uh, like Peter Kapsner, Linda Mental, Ben Johnson. Let's see. God brings to mind Mark Caleb Smith and Dan DeWitt, Adam Holtz. Who are your favorites? To whom are you thankful to God for this year in terms of this program and what we do here? I'm thankful for the new friends we've made this year on Mornings with Carmen. And I'm thankful for the new places and people that we've met along the way. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And looking ahead to 2022, well, I'm looking forward to all of the great things that God intends to do in and through each and every one of us and all of us together. Here's what I know. In advance of 2022, here's what I know. It will be a year of the Lord. It will be a year of the Lord's favor. It will be for some the year of salvation. I'm looking forward to it. I hope you're looking forward to it as well. When you think about um, saying Happy New Year and God bless 
to each person that you cross paths with the rest of this day. Let me encourage you um, to be very mindful that God is the one who is sovereign over time. He's the one who is sovereign over years and decades and millennia and eons and all of eternity. And he is the one at midnight tonight that I want to turn to, into whose face I want to look, and the one I want to thank. So let me encourage you on this New Year's Eve to give God all glory do his name. Happy New Year, and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.